1: Thank you, Scott. Welcome aboard, everybody, to Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. I'm Suzanne Downing, and my co-host, John Quick, is on the other mic from Nakiski. Scott Levesque, our producer, is on the soundboard. This is the place for conservatives to exchange ideas about Alaska politics, where politics is the talk of the town on the last frontier. So, John, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. We, uh, We had a tsunami warning uh, on the Kenai Peninsula. So that was a little bit of uh, news break for us. There was a big uh, earthquake out on the Aleutian chains. and So, I think so we'll on Monday,
1: your up. phone was blowing up? Is that what you're telling me? Everybody's phone was blowing up Monday and just kind of uh, getting the, getting all the, the tsunami information. Did you guys get a wave?
0: Well, we probably won't in Nikiski or, the, or Kenai or Soldatin. I think Homer's on alert and all those communities are uh, some of the communities and on the Aleutia Islands, Sand Point, and whatnot. But we did get the Kenai Peninsula Borough, has their own alert system on top of the national alert system. So usually people get a series of two or three alerts uh, if they're going to be close to anything like that.
1: That's a pretty big wave, uh, pretty big uh, uh, earthquake. It was 7.5, located about 67 miles east of Sand Point in the Aleutians. And it looks to me like the wave was heading toward. Hawaii last time I saw it, but has plenty of time to to dissipate. We'll see what happens. You know, a lot of these have have been kind of nothing burgers lately, but you just never know. You don't want to be clamming on the beach when you get a big 7.5. So, John, I want you to tell me something about yourself that people just generally don't know. I mean, you're the co-host of this show, and I just wanted people to know more about you. So tell me something that people don't know about you.
0: So I'll give you two little tidbits of uh, of of something that maybe the average person doesn't know about me. One is I met my lovely bride in college. We were college sweethearts. We got married while we were still in college. I like to tell everybody that I'm the president of the Married Up Club, and uh, we're still happily married 16 years later, which is pretty awesome. The other random fact that most people would have no idea about me is that I have had the same ankle bracelet on my foot for 20 years. The backstory on that is, me and some friends worked at a Christian camp, and when I was a senior in high school, and uh, we went to Malibu, which is a young life camp all the way up in Canada. And afterwards, we singed climbing rope to make a anklet, uh, and 15 of us put it all together. And we put them on our ankles, and I'm the last man standing. Everybody else's has fallen off. And mine has remained on my foot for 20 years without taking it off once.
1: And it's just made a climbing rope, right?
0: Just made a climbing rope.
1: Okay, that's actually pretty awesome. That's a pretty neat fact.
0: So it's been on there. It's still on there today. I text my friend, uh, my good friend, Pat, who was the second man, uh, second man last standing. His fell off a couple of years ago, and uh, he's pretty jealous mine's still on. So what about you? Tell, you know, random fact or a tidbit on uh, on yourself that maybe maybe the average person doesn't know.
1: Well, what I came up with for this was that, you know, I don't own a TV. A lot of people think that I'm a news junkie and so I must have the TV on all the time. Well, when we moved to Alaska, I was just 15 year olds and really the last time I remember a TV show was when the um, the Apollo landed on the moon and Neil Armstrong, you know, they, they, they stepped out on the moon. It was July 20th, 1969. And I just remember watching that on TV and it was the last, my last real vivid memory. And I've had a TV on and off some of my life, but most of my life I haven't. So I'm just a person who just doesn't see, see a lot on TV. I don't, don't get my news there. And in a way it puts me at a disadvantage because a lot of stuff happens on TV news. But another way, I just feel like, well, maybe, maybe I'm okay without TV. I'm, I'm, I've survived this long. I can survive a few more years. Right.
0: Nice. Well, I have a 75-inch TV in my house, so I... No, you make up (laughs) for us both. Good.
1: Yeah. Hey, I wanted you to tell everybody about our new partnership, though, with the Newsbreak app, because this is really pretty exciting. It is uh, new. I've been using the Newsbreak app for a long time, because wherever you go in the world, you're going to be picking up a news feed from around that area. And so you kind of learn about your area. And so tell me how we ended up with this Newsbreak app. You did a really great job of sealing this deal with them.
0: Yeah, this is pretty exciting. So for our listeners out there, Must Read Alaska now has a nationally syndicated deal with the Newsbreak app. The Newsbreak app has 11 million uh, subscribers to it. It has 25 million people that use the app uh, every day. You You can download the app and use the app without actually creating an account if you don't want to, and it'll still localize the news. So if you're traveling to Florida or traveling to Minneapolis and you have the Newsbreak app, it'll pop up. The local news in that area, but also pop up the national news, and so um, it's probably the most cutting-edge uh, app out there. It's number three in the app store in the in the news app section, and uh, they've they've went through three rounds of venture capitalist funding. And, you know they have probably a hundred staff. It's a it's a it's a well-funded machine, and um, you know all of our stories are now going to be syndicated through them, as well as just through the normal channels of our website uh Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that and really what that means is you'll are the average person in Anchorage or Fairbanks or Juneau is going to have another avenue to sync up our content and to read our content Um, so I really want to encourage folks if you have not checked out the news break app uh to go download it check it out Uh, you don't have to you know you don't have to log in your information if you don't want it'll just naturally bring up stories wherever you're at local stories and uh, it's pretty awesome. So far, we've done this for a week. We've had our partnership for a week with them. And uh, just our stories alone have had 100,000 impressions on the, on their platform, which is it's big for us. So I'm pretty excited about it.
1: In one week, we've had uh, 100,000 impressions on their on that news app, that is great news. That's that's really awesome. And I, like I said, I use it. I think it worked really well. I really like it. No matter where I go in the world, and sort of picking up the local news gives me a flavor of where I'm at. Um, and sometimes, you know, I go down to Washington State. You know, I go visit my mom, and I'm picking up Washington State news, and it's it's good stuff. It's it's great. Good job.
0: Yeah, it's a cutting edge deal. And so, um, you know, one thing I was thinking about is I was looking through it this morning. I was looking at some of the latest stories on. Berkowitz and what's going on yeah. with the Maria Athens story. Uh, can you kind of give the listeners a rundown on what's the latest and what's happening with, with that in Anchorage, the folks that are
1: Oh, uh, Yeah. So, well, as as re- as listeners and readers of Must Read Alaska may know, uh, there was a big blow up over the last couple of weeks where um, TV anchor Maria Athens made some accusations against the mayor of Anchorage. She accused him of putting his genitalia out there on young girl's website, some sort of kitty porn link, we're not really quite sure what she was getting at. And it, it, it looked like after the after the story unfolded that there was a possibly a case of mistaken identity. And it maybe wasn't the mayor who was doing that. But in the meantime, she had, of course, posted a naked picture of the mayor on Facebook, and just just sort of blew him up. And it was the backside of him, but it became pretty obvious that that was him. And before the um, before the, before the Monday meeting, for the t- Tuesday meeting, he had resigned. He had resigned as mayor of Anchorage, which is this Friday, he will no longer be mayor of Anchorage. And um, Maria Athens has essentially just disappeared. And I happen to know that she's in a safe place in the interior. She's trying to do some healing up. She's trying to get her you know, just sort of psychological hit space back together. But she has disappeared off of the face of the earth for the news cycle. Now, uh, I went on uh, Inside Edition this last week and talked a little bit about it. But what was really shocking to me is that the, the charges against her are assault for disorderly conduct, and, um, and there's a, and, a, and some other minor charges. But what they never charged her with was like terroristic threatening against an elected official, which would be a felony. And they never uh, charged her with that. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. If they did charge her with that, then she would have to um, go to court. Technically, she could bring the mayor up on the stand and he would have to be interviewed. And so I think they're trying to avoid getting the mayor up on the on the witness stand. And that's why they're not charging her with something which is actually very serious because she threatened his life and she threatened his wife's life. And it's on that audio. I mean, allegedly on the audio. It sounds like her. That's what everybody thinks. And that's what he put out there. Of course, he he released that audio to select uh, bloggers to put it out there to make her look crazy. But if she wanted to she could she could have him on the witness stand, but only if they charge her for something that is really quite a very quite a serious thing so so that's what we know right now. Um, her she has a court date next uh, later on this week she's got an attorney uh, we'll see that court date will be done via zoom meeting they're not doing them in person right now, and these are minor offenses they're probably just go ahead and drop them eyes, is, is what I imagine.
0: Now one of the things. That, that I've gotten a lot of questions from folks are, you know, where's the Pulitzer Prize, Anchorage Daily News journalists for the, you know, Believe All Women movement? You know, when when, when Maria Athens, again, these are just accusations she's made and all of them have either been crickets or disavowed every word she's said. And that's a very stark contrast between uh, this and uh, the former Attorney General, Kevin Clarkson Uh, Over you know when he had to resign over text messages, they they believe all women if it has to work with their agenda and their media bias. But the second it doesn't, they they don't listen to it and they play the silent card and they you know say that they're crazy and don't believe them and blah 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 blah. But you know I think that the that the average person that is looking at both of these uh, situations sees the stark stark contrast and the huge bias that one side plays to the other. And it's just unfortunate. Um, no matter how it plays out, uh, the mainstream quote unquote media in Alaska has pretty much thrown Marie Athens under the bus and just said, she's crazy, don't deal with her, which I don't think that's a great way to do this.
1: Well, you know, her her behavior was really irrational. It didn't seem to be, um, she's, it just didn't seem to be To be normal, there was uh, she was making accusations without really researching it. She seemed to be angry. She seemed to perhaps want revenge. She posts this picture up, uh, a naked picture of him, up on Facebook. These are things that you just don't do if you've got your head screwed on straight. But um, hopefully, she'll she'll sort of make the turn and 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 come around to um, to a, a, a better situation, a better way of looking at things. I'm. I feel, I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for the mayor's family, his wife and his children. This is really a tragedy for a lot of people concerned. So, you know, try not to make fun of any of these people. They're, you know, humans make mistakes. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty charitable about this stuff, quite honestly. I mean, people make mistakes. People are, you know, you can't follow your heart in this world. Your heart is probably gonna be a pretty dark place. Some things you gotta follow that, that don't involve your heart, they, they involve a higher power. We're not gonna go there right now though.
0: So real quickly, before we move on to the next topic, who's the new mayor and will there be a special election?
1: Ah, big question. So Austin Quinn Davidson is going to be the mayor as of six o'clock on Friday. She was the vice chair of the assembly. They reorganized this week. They made her the chair so that she could ascend and become the, uh, the, the interim mayor, the acting mayor. Technically, they're supposed to have an election after January 21st but the city attorney is trying to convince them that they can s- circumvent the city charter and just not have an election. And so that basically that would mean that Austin Quinn Davidson will be the mayor and for eight months. And she is a person who was elected by you know, 10% of the, of, of the district of Anchorage. So she's got a, a little section of Anchorage that she represents. She will be mayor for 17% of Ethan Berkowitz's term of office, is three-year term. So essentially somebody who's elected by about maybe 4% of the population is going to be mayor of Anchorage for 17% of his term. And that's because they likely are not gonna do a special election because it will sort of just climb right on top of the regular election, which is April 6th. So they really got themselves in a bind and the biggest reason they have that themselves in a bind is because they went to these mail-in elections and mail in elections take time. You can't just turn around and do them. So they you know you've got to print the ballots, you've got to mail them out 3 weeks in advance and you have to allow them to show up 10 days after the deadline and you know by then you're you're way into February and you're and now you're you're already printing and mailing out the next ballots for the next election. So we're in a situation where Anchorage could actually have an election in February and then a runoff, an election in April and then 30 days later a runoff. It's a, a messy situation, but it'll all get resolved. We'll we'll talk more about that next week. Hey, by nice. the way, John, I want to tell you about my trip to Kenai. So I was in Kenai over the weekend and um, we were raising money for Republican candidates. There was a, a huge fundraiser at the uh, Kenai Cannery Lodge, which is owned by Ron Hyde. It's a really, really nice place to go. I recommend it highly. They've got great rooms, they're right there on the river at the, the mouth of the river there. And um, such a nice setup. They do such a good job with their food. And I think that the Kenai Peninsula Republican Women's Club raised $8,000 at the auction and um, that they're giving out to candidates all over the state who need help kind of getting over the line. And so um, it was a really cool, cool event. Should have been there. Missed you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So sounds like it was a good turnout.
1: Yep, and uh, Dan, uh, Senator Dan Sullivan was there. Mike Dunleavy was there. Uh, Nick Beggett showed up for the, uh, for the Don Young campaign and Rhonda Boyles, his co-chair, also showed up. I saw candidates, uh, Ron Gillum, he's running for House, Sarah Vance, Ben Carpenter. Um, also saw Mayor Brian Gabriel of Kenai and then the new assembly members, uh, Tia Winneker, who I'm really impressed with and Bill Elam, super impressed with those two joining the assembly. Um, also, uh, Mike Tarjanin, Kate Tarjanin were there. Mike is the uh, National Committee man for the uh, Alaska Republican Party, so he's he's our representative to the National Republican Party here in Alaska. And Tuckerman, the former chairman of the Republican Party of Alaska, and his wife, Christy, who is the, the chairman of the club. So it was a super event and really, really um, liked seeing all my friends on the keynote. I just want to thank everybody for for making that such a special event. It was an Oktoberfest, so we saw a lot of people in lederhosen and dirndls and and uh, dressed in kind of, you know, festive costumes and people were in a really good mood. It was good. Hey, let's transition That's to awesome. this, other, this other thing I want to ask you about. Did you see that Josh Revak segment? I wanted you to tell us all about this, um, the Hodges, the Hodge Twins. I always want to call them the Hodges Twins, but it's called the Hodge Twins and the fact that they endorsed uh, Senator Josh That These are people of your generation.
0: Yeah, so the Senator Josh Revac really uh, did a smart play in my in my book. Um, he, the, the Hodge twins are kind of conservative celebrities. Uh, they're two twins, African-American fellas who have really struck a chord with the uh, 35 and under crowd who are conservatives, who maybe feel like they don't have a place In this world, because everywhere they go, they're being told that if you're a Donald Trump supporter, you're a racist, you're a bad person. And these are two guys who are African-American guys who are out there talking about all the accomplishments that Donald Trump, President Donald Trump has done. And they have a massive following. They have like three and a half million followers on Facebook. They got another, you know, million followers on Twitter and Instagram and and they get their content out there. And these, the videos that they produce on a daily basis receive millions of views, which is pretty awesome. And so they came out yesterday and they endorsed Senator Josh Rivack. And the endorsement was uh, not only gonna be great for Josh, but it's also a hilarious video. Um, they say that Josh has a barrel chest, chest and uh, baby silky smooth skin. <laughs> and talk about how he's a combat uh, war veteran and a hero and he's the only conservative and he's running against a fake independent. I mean they really hit down the bullet points on some of the things that are happening in his race. And I think it was a r- really good move by the uh, the Revac camp and I think it's going to be well received for folks in Alaska that you know the the Hodge twins you know they they are a big deal in Alaska because Alaska's not that big And for these are celebrities that quote unquote that have came out and endorsed a candidate. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's gonna do well for Josh.
1: Oh, I do too. And you know, I'm kind of older, and you're kind of younger, like you're young enough to be my son, I really like that, that we have this great podcast. But it's really uh, these guys are more your generation than mine. But I follow them on Instagram, because they've got a great uh, account, they do some really funny things. And one of these days, I'm going to get you to do a a, an imitation of like the "yeah" (laughs) part that they do, which is really uh, one of their trademarks. So yeah, anyway, I, I think that one, one of the things I really like about this is that it it actually sort of not just boosts Josh Rivak's race, which is up in District M on sort of on the lower hillside in in Anchorage here, but I think it sort of gets people fired up. Young, younger voters fired up all over the, the state. Younger conservatives are really going to like this. So I encourage you to, to check it out. Go to mustreadalaska.com, find that story on the Josh Reback and the, and the Hodges twins, Hodge twins, and then you can click the video right there or go to our Must Read Alaska YouTube page because we posted it there too.
0: We did.
1: Hey, let's talk about this uh, really quick about this Judge Henderson decision last week. I don't know if you read it, but the Superior Court Judge Jennifer Henderson, she found that Governor Mike Dunley, Levy vetoed, when he vetoed the 334,000 out of the court system budget, She said that veto was unconstitutional. Basically what we have here is a superior court judge saying that the governor has no right to veto the court system's budget. Now he has apparently a right to set the budget, offer the budget to the legislature and the legislature can either cut it and send it back to him or send it back to him with more money in it. But when he gets it back, he can't veto it. That veto itself is, she says, unconstitutional, because it's a separation issue, separation between the divisions of of power, which is insane, because basically what she's saying is that the legislature also can't change the budget. So she is saying that the governor can't veto the budget and and the legislature itself can't change the budget. So it's a very bizarre ruling. Obviously, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. But, man, we have some really liberal judges here. And I've got to tell you, people, I am not exactly excited about this judge getting um, getting reappointed. And, she, and she's up for her uh, reappointment here in November. And her name is um, is Henderson. So Jennifer Henderson. You just you might want to think twice about voting to retain her because this isn't the only thing she's done, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... People need to, people in Alaska need to, to look at these retaining of judges a little more than they have in the past, because basically these judges go up for election, quote unquote, every whatever four years. And if they get, I think it's, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Suzanne, but if they get 50% of the vote, uh, then they keep their appointment and they keep their job. And that usually the average person that goes and looks at this ballot, they don't even know who these people are that when they look at the judges and so I think that folks need to take a look at who are the judges that are going to be up for reappointment and do some research on them spend five minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes researching what are some of these court cases that they've made decisions on because this is a a, an example of where we have a judge that's made an extremely left decision and this is in my opinion this is just getting back at the governor and judges should not make decisions strictly and purely on I'm gonna get back at the governor how dare he veto you know four hundred thousand or whatever it was out of my budget and I I, uh, I wish that we had a different way to appoint judges in the state of Alaska I wish it didn't have to go through the little board that that is made up by the Alaska Bar Association I wish that the governor could just appoint judges and they'd be confirmed by the legislation uh, but that's not the case and And, uh, and so we need to get as citizens in Alaska, we need to get educated on who these judges are. And if they don't align with what Alaska stands for, then don't vote them back in.
1: Yeah, and I'm beginning to think that actually we're gonna have to have some sort of a change to our Constitution to start electing our judges instead of having the uh, the Judicial Council appoint them because Quite honestly, the judicial council is is dominated by the Alaska Bar Association, and we all know that that is a very liberal body. And now we have these judges making um, absolutely rogue calls. And of course, this will go to the Supreme Court. Those folks are just as liberal as uh, Jennifer Henderson is. So, so we'll be watch, we'll be following that story for weeks to come, and that one is not at all resolved yet. But I have a feeling that what we what we need to see happen is to see this governor take some legislation forward to the legislature and have them approve taking it to the people for a vote. And let's 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 restructure the Constitution because it's not working for us, folks. So, real quickly, we're we're gonna run out of time here. I've got so many things to talk about, but let's talk about this latest New York Times poll. And it's fascinating. It it really has some um good news for Donald Trump. They say he's you know he's gonna win. They say uh, Dan Sullivan's going to win they say Don Young's going to win but uh, we drilled down into the, the crosstabs a little more and uh, I want you to talk to us about some of these crosstabs and what you saw
0: So one of the ma- one of the main things that I saw in these crosstabs uh were and for folks that are listening that don't know what crosstabs are crosstabs are basically the data that's underneath you know who did they pull, what kind of questions did they ask um, and they 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 ask questions uh, I think f- I, they've asked questions more to females than males. That, that's the easiest way to put it. And that their sampling was predominantly female, which, which is striking to me. And it shows that there might, this data might not be skewed, what may even be more skewed towards Sullivan getting more of a bump it, and Trump getting even more of a bump and Don Young even getting more of a bunk when, bump when the election happens uh, because they polled more women than men.
1: And, what, and, you, and is, are women typically more liberal than men? Uh, I mean, how does, that, how does that affect it?
0: I mean, the polling data shows that, that they're mm-hmm. typically are more liberal than men. Um, and so when you poll more women and Dan Sullivan gets uh, more of the polling numbers uh, than his opponent does, you, you would think, well, if they would have pulled more men, he would have got even more numbers than than his opponent would. And so it it does look good for the conservative candidates because they polled more women, which are historically more liberal. And these candidates, conservative candidates still came ahead in the polling numbers.
1: You know, I saw something else. They also, they also, they they polled um, 17% of of the people were Democrats, 28% were Republicans, and 48% were independents. And that's Pretty close, but they're still um, they're still not quite giving the Republicans quite enough weighting in their in their questions. Now they they actually talked to 423 Alaska likely voters, and they've got a, a margin of error. They say between you know around 5.7 percent. So they know that there's a, a margin of error there. But here's the big tell: the actual they 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 looked at they asked people. Who did you vote for in 2016 and 32% of their respondents said they voted for Hillary Clinton and 43% said they voted for Donald Trump. So that's actually really interesting because you compare that to how the actual vote was in 2016 it was Hillary 36 Trump 51 and then the libertarian candidate got 6% but they have actually underweighted this. So they've missed the Trump vote by eight points. They've only missed the Hillary vote by three points. So I think this uh, New York Times poll is really underestimating how Alaska's going to vote. I think we're going to see a lot bigger bump toward um, toward Trump than they say. They say Trump is at 45 and Joe Biden is at 39. You know, I'm going to add eight points on that. I think he's going to be up just over over 50%. And these other guys, they say, uh, Al Gross, 37%, Dan Sullivan, 45%. I'm going to say Dan Sullivan is going to be 48, 49%. Um, I'm also going to they've, they've got Elise Galvin at 41 and Don Young at 49%. You know, I think that's probably about right. I'm going to say that that that'll probably be about right. So um, fascinating that they've, um, they've got that outs pretty fresh, but even the New York Times, Puts all of our Republicans in a pretty safe win.
0: I think it's good news for Republican for the Republicans in the state of Alaska. I think that, you know, people are honestly sick of hearing uh, Al Gross's videos every time they open their eyes, and and they just are ready for the election to be done with, and they're ready for Dan Sullivan and Don Young to be the winners.
1: See, hey, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna switch topics real fast here, folks. Um, coming up on the end of our, our podcast. But I want to talk about uh, for, about ballot measure one. And I don't think we're going to get to ballot measure two today, but I want to talk about me- ballot measure one because this is really some interesting news. So on Monday, it was announced that uh, Phillips had just acquired this company called Concho Resources. Now, I hadn't heard of Concho, but I kind of looked into this a little bit. And it's a it's a company that has a lot of shale resources in Texas and the Permian Basin. And they did this with an all-stock transaction. So there was no cash involved. So if you if you're wondering, well, you know, where's ConocoPhillips Phillips getting its cash? Well, they did a just complete stock transaction. So they've acquired this company. And this is so interesting because it's making the average cost of supply for their oil now, down in the lower 48 at below $30. And that is so profound. So when we're looking at raising taxes here in Alaska on oil, I just want to make the point that in their portfolio, Alaska is now going to be competing with projects around the country, where the cost of supply is below $30. Now, our cost of supply is like between 38 and $40. So we are starting to get priced out already. And if you add taxes to it, I mean that could be a really big factor for ConocoPhillips. Just saying, you know, it, it costs so much to lift and transport that oil from the North Slope. It's, it's, um, you know, it's going to be two times higher than some of the next most costly regions in the state. I'm going to be writing about this on Must Read Alaska this week, so I, I want everybody to kind of check it out because I think this is a, a it's super important. We cannot allow Alaska's fiscals system to become the least competitive oil and gas in the in the us and that's what that alaska's fair share act does that ballot measure one will make us the least competitive place this will not hurt um it will not hurt conical phillips they just acquired concho they're just going to go expand there it'll hurt all the mom and pop companies up here all the alaskan owned companies it'll hurt our jobs and it could cost us 6,000 jobs here in Alaska. So um, you'll just want to check out Must Read Alaska later this week, because we'll be writing about that. And John, and we're, we're going to have to wind up today's show before we can even get to ballot measure two. But next week, are we going to have a special guest on our show?
0: We are. We're going to have the, the uh, campaign manager for the No On 2 initiative, uh, Brett Huber, will be with us
1: okay so brett huber who's running the no on two and that'll be on next week's show but i for now i just want to thank you john quick thank you scott levec i love working with you guys we've got a great team here at must read alaska our readers are super engaged with our content we love all of our readers and our listeners so if you're a supporter of must read alaska i just want to thank you so much it makes all this possible we're standing up for what's right in alaska and if you want to support the conservative side of the news Hit that donate button on the side of mustreadalaska.com. Your support allows this project to stay strong and independent against the big blue tide of media out there in the world. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. See you next week.